Welcome inside the WDEV studios. My name is Jack Main. In for Brady Farkas once again. We were just in the midst of a CBS special report. President Joe Biden speaking today on WDEV, addressing the nation following the Kabul airport attacks that killed 60 Afghans and 12 U.S. troops. So we, we apologize for the mix-up in programming. However, the show must go on. Freddie Coleman of ESPN. We are going to talk to him on the pre-recorded version of the podcast. I only have about three and a half, less than that, two and a half minutes before I need to toss to yet another break. I'm going to take all the time that I can for myself because a lot has unfolded here in the last 24 hours for the New England Patriots, including a couple of different trades. So if you want to get in on the short live edition, you can on the Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line 802-585-3026. Let's get into it. The opening thoughts on the Brady Farkas show are brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center with locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber online at sticksandstuff.com. Literally a minute before we have to go to break, the Patriots made some really great moves in the past couple of days, and I could not be happier about them. Sony Michelle was traded to the Los Angeles Rams for a couple of conditional picks, late round draft picks. This helps both parties out a ton. The Rams and the Patriots. The Rams fix their backfield depth and the Patriots get a couple of late round draft picks, which we know Bill Belichick values so high. Bill Belichick loves his late-round draft picks. He absolutely necessarily needs them to develop them into whatever all-pros they become in their future. Then today, less than 24 hours later, the Patriots go out and they trade two draft picks to the Baltimore Ravens in exchange for fifth-round pick this past year, Sean White. He's a cornerback from Ohio State in 32 career games at Ohio State, 67 tackles. Those solo tackles, five tackles for a loss, and included six picks. This kid can ball. Bill Belichick continuing to play chess. Everyone else plays checkers. Absolutely love this from the man in charge of the team that I love. We're going to get more into the Patriots' moves after the, well, actually onto the pre-recorded version of the show. We got to step aside. When we come back, we're going to react to last night's Red Sox game. You're listening to WDEV. The following is a presentation from WDEV Radio. Fast paced. I don't even know what to say about the Red Sox anymore. Honestly, I need to stop giving Sox predictions. Opinionated. Justin Fields will make the Patriots regret choosing Mac Jones. You just wait for it. To the point. The Pats are a run first team, period. End of story. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Yes, it is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and streaming online at WDEVradio.com. Jack Main in for Brady once again. Uh, what do we want to do? Today he is in the scorching hot deserts in Australia looking for baby kangaroos. I believe they're called joeys. That's what Brady's doing on his vacation today. Again, we got on the air a little bit late. Special report from CBS Joe Biden addressing the nation following the attacks in Afghanistan that killed at least 12 U.S. soldiers and 60 Afghans in the process. So we have to carry that. It's okay. The show must go on. Keep in mind, we are going to have a pre-recorded version 
version of the show go live eh, probably in about an hour or so. So you will get the full Brady Farkas show. And for the time being, because the Red Sox are going to take over the signal here in about five and a half minutes. So we're going to go ahead. We're going to react to last night's game because as soon as they take over, man, all thoughts are going to be on the Boston Red Sox. If you want to get in in the next five minutes, you can. Napa Mowersville, Napa Waterbury tax line, 802-585-3026. Let's run it. Five, four, three, two, one. And here we go. Every night, it's something different with the Red Sox. Something goes wrong with the Red Sox. Last night, it was Alex Cora. Everyone can be mad at the offense. I'm going to be mad at the decision to put Hansel Robles in the game the night after he pitched 23 high-stress pitches. I'm not with that. Garrett Richards didn't pitch the last two days. Why not Garrett Richards? Why not throw Josh Taylor for more than an inning? The fact that Hansel Robles, who has had a 5-plus ERA since being acquired, was in this game in a clutch situation is beyond me. And it immediately came back to bite him in the butt in the 10th inning. Robles checks the runner and throws. And this is a smash deep to right field. It is way back, and it's another home run for the Twins. Three-run blast for Cave. Robles has imploded in the 10th. And after the Schwarber heroics, it is now 9-4 Minnesota. So the fa- he gave up two two-run home runs. The first one was to Josh Donaldson, a few, a few batters before. Then that one to Jake Cave, the guy who's batting ninth for the Minnesota Twins. Batting ninth for the last place Minnesota Twins. Takes Hansel Robles deep, the guy that you tabbed to be clutch in that situation. It's beyond me. It's beyond my wildest imagination why Robles was in that game. We needed to have Josh Taylor go more than an inning. If Josh Taylor starts off that ninth inning, or excuse me, that tenth inning, he faces Donaldson. Yes, it's a lefty-righty situation, but we have, we at least have Taylor, who's had the track record to start the season. Maybe he's fallen off recently, but you still trust him more than you trust the guy that has given you maybe one good outing this entire season. Trust the guy that's been here. Not the guy that you go out and trade, you know, scum prospects for. We can't have that. We just can't have that. I am looking at Alex Cora tonight, and I am saying make smarter decisions. Tonight it's going to be easy for him because it's Chris Sale who goes for the Boston Red Sox. And he's going up against John Grant of the Minnesota Twins. We're going to get to the Red Sox lineups in just 30 seconds, but I want to get to this story real quick. So yesterday during the show, I was watching the Little League World Series on ESPN while we were while we were kind of in, in breaks. And Gavin Weir of South Dakota threw his fourth no-hitter of the Little League World Series tournament. There was this awesome soundbite that was picked up on by the ESPN Hot Mics that I'm going to play for you guys. This is his head coach. This is Gavin's head coach, Mike Grosset, going out to give his team a pep talk in the middle of the game. The whole world wants to see you pitch Sunday. Listen to me. Listen to me. You're not coming out of this game. You're going to shove it right down. Okay? we got four outs to go, and we're in the championship game this evening. i got all confidence in the world that you're going to throw a gem on Sunday. i got all confidence in the world that the rest of this pitching staff is going to come in and do the job. Okay? You be my horse right now. Give me four more outs, and then you hit me 
a bunch of home runs the rest of the way out. You understand? Let's go right now. Yes, sir. Let's go. I don't, think, I don't think I've ever heard a Little League coach that fired up. Like on, on, on national television. We have no business talking about that game, but that is one of the best sound bites you're ever going to hear from any sporting event ever. Considering it's a Little League game where it's a bunch of 12-year-olds. This is censored television, folks. And he's going out there and he's saying, you're going to shove, then we're going to go hit nukes, and we're going to win this championship. I mean, that's the uncensored version. Okay, Bosox Sox lineups. They start right now. All right, a little NFL music. I'm sorry, guys. We're a little, you know, we're dazzled, all right? For the visiting Minnesota Twins, they send John Gant to the mound, 4-7, ERA. It's Rob Rensnyder, the former Yankee in right field, leading off. Brent Rooker in left field. Josh Donaldson, two nights in a row with a home run for him. He's in the DH spot. Miguel Sano with the most impressive home run I've ever seen hit at Fenway Park last night, 495 feet. He's in the field at first base. Luis Arez is at second. Ryan Jeffers does the catching. It's William Astadino, the Latatur... La Tortuga at third base. Nick Gordon in center field. Angleton Simmons, the, sh- the light-hitting shortstop, bats ninth. For the Sox, it's no Xander Bogarts. It's Kike instead. Kyle Schwarber, J.D. Martinez, Raphael Devers, Alex Verdugo, Christian Vasquez, Christian Arroyo, Jaron Duran back up with the big club after Renfro Goros goes on the bereavement list. And it's Bobby Dahlbeck. The full version of the show will be live on iTunes and Spotify soon. Sox baseball starts now. Hey everybody, it's pre-recorded Jack following my short, short broadcast of the live edition of the Brady Farkas Show. We are on the Brady Farkas Show podcast channels on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you go and you get your podcast. Again, short live show today. We had a special report that took us all the way up until about 5.50. So we are going to give you guys the full Freddie Coleman interview. It's just going to be now. And it's almost, it's almost about the same time that we would do it on the live show if we were doing the show live. So it's good. It's all okay, guys. It's all okay. We're going to welcome in Freddie in a few minutes. But first, got to break down this Patriots trade. So as I teased before we went to the top of the hour, the Patriots made some really great moves in the past 24 hours. Move number one that I absolutely love was trading Sony Michelle for a couple of late-round conditional picks. So the Patriots have an extremely crowded backfield. The Rams have an extremely light backfield. It just kind of made sense. This was something that we saw happening. It's something that Brady actually called himself. If I'm the Pats, I'm calling the Rams and I'm trying to give them Sony Michelle in exchange for a draft pick. That was July 21st of this past summer. Brady Farkas made that prediction that uh, that Sony Michelle would be traded to the Rams because of the Cam Akers injury. And now, over a month later... That prophecy comes true. A day later, today, the Patriots make a trade for a fifth rounder who has never seen an NFL field from the Baltimore Ravens. His name, Sean Wade. 32 career games at Ohio State, 67 solo tackles, five of those for a loss, and six picks. The kid can absolutely ball. He's a cornerback, a lanky, athletic guy drafted in the fifth round. People say he has a very high ceiling. I'm excited to see how he fits into the secondary, but this does raise some questions for me. I love the moves, but it raises some questions. Okay? Here are those questions. What happened to Stephon Gilmore? Why are the Patriots going out and trading for a rookie who's never seen the light of an NFL field when you have 
one of the greatest cornerbacks of our generation. And oh, by the way, the guy that plays next to him, J.C. Jackson, pretty solid himself. Stephon Gilmore is not going to be healthy. This is That's what that tells me. The, que- the questions, the conspiracy theories, they pop into my mind. And I'm asking, why isn't Stephon Gilmore going to be ready? The guy was holding out because he didn't because he wanted a new contract. He wasn't getting it. Now he's on the physically inactive or he's on the physically unable to participate list, the pup. And it just the 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 acquisition means that he's probably not going to be healthy this season. Bill Belichick doesn't trust him to produce on a week-to-week basis. It's interesting, that's all. The other thing that comes to my mind is that a day earlier, the Patriots trade Michelle for two picks. Then the Patriots trade two picks for this kid, this for this fifth rounder, Sean Wade. Did the Ravens decline a trade for Sony Michelle? It's clear and obvious that the Patriots wanted to shop Michelle. Taking two conditional picks from the Rams is probably the best offer they got in return. The Rams were desperate. The Patriots didn't want to continue to pay Michelle. They already have a loaded backfield. It just seemed like a natural fit. We've been over that. And I feel like, originally, the offer on the table was to the Ravens. Straight up. Sony Michelle for Sean Wade. And the Ravens said no. Which makes me scratch my head. The Ravens have J.K. Dobbins to lead their backfield and Gus Johnson backing him up. Outside of that, there isn't a whole lot of running back depth. So while it would make it would make sense that the Ra- that the Ravens could use an extra running back, they weren't going to give up a high ceiling player like Wade. And then the mastermind Bill Belichick comes in and he says, "Okay, well, what if I give you two picks?" And he doesn't even have to pay for those two picks because he has them sitting wearing number 26 in the backfield. It's brilliant. Bill Belichick playing chess. Everybody else playing checkers. That's why I love these moves for the Patriots. He just went out and he got a quarter a, he just went out and got a cornerback for a running back, but he played both those teams in the process. Great deal for the Rams. They get a running back that gives them depth, protects Max Stafford a little bit more, gives Sean McVay a little more option on offense. And at the same time, you fleece an, an AFC rival. I love it. I absolutely love it. The questions are there for sure. Why did we have to do this? But it, I absolutely love Bill Belichick going out here, and he's fleecing. We're going to go ahead. We're going to welcome in ESPN's Freddie Coleman. You can hear him right here on the WDEV station, WDEVradio.com, every single night. Freddie, a busy 24 hours for the Patriots. And so we appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks for being here. My pleasure, brother. How's everything with you? Everything is going awesome. And listen, everything with the Patriots is super chaotic. We're a day out from the Sony Michelle trade. He went to the Rams after Cam Akers went down with the injury. So, I mean, the, the Patriots backfield has just been so plug and chug these past couple years. And the first rounder, Sony Michelle, goes out the door. Who, in your mind, steps in in Michelle's shoes moving forward? Well, you mentioned it. Uh, having a plethora of backs has been the MO for the New England Patriots, so it's going to be a committee 
of who they have. And you know how the Patriots are, Jack. Whatever the game plan is for that week, that's who's probably going to get the ball most or who's going to get the most touches. So it's not just going to be one guy. That's not, they haven't really operated like that as an organization for a long, long time because when Cam Newton, I believe, is still going to be the starting quarterback, he's also going to be a part of that running game. Maybe not as much as last year because they've been able to fortify that offensive line and bring in weapons in the offseason. So he won't have to do as much. But that committee approach that has worked well for so many different teams, including the Patriots, that's not going to change just because they draft, they decide to trade Sony Michelle to the Los Angeles Rams on Wednesday. Now, Sony Michelle, of course, a Super Bowl hero for the New England Patriots. He was a first rounder, and New England got a couple of supplemental picks in return. Do you feel like the Pats might have gotten shortchanged on this one, or is this a good deal for New England? Here's why it's a good deal for New England, because Bill Belichick has always been about trying to acquire as many draft picks as possible because they do such a great a great job of scouting so many different players where they try to find players and they unearth them, Jack, from rocks here trying to find those diamonds in the rough. So the more lower draft picks that he can have in the later rounds, that is completely a gold coin situation for Bill Belichick and New England Patriots. So it's not a case of getting fleeced because they had a surplus of running backs and the Rams were in the part with a fifth and sixth round pick for Sony Michelle. This is going to benefit both teams. You get a quality running back behind that offensive line replacing Cam Akers, and you get extra draft picks if you are the New England Patriots. This is, of course, a classic Bill Belichick move. I mean, you're right. I mean, he loves developing late round draft picks. Point to almost any offensive weapon New England's had. They aren't a first rounder. That's just that's just Bill Belichick's mo. But a first rounder that has been making headway in Patriots camp is Mac Jones. Now, with Cam out this past week, do we feel like Mac Jones has taken the leg up in becoming the team's starting quarterback? I don't think he's taken the leg up, Jack, but I will say this. That clock is that clock is a lot louder and ticking by a lot faster when it comes to Cam Newton because I firmly believe that he was playing extremely well. We saw that in last week's preseason game against the Philadelphia, Philadelphia Eagles. Excuse me. He was just throwing the daylights out of the football. So I firmly believe that no matter what happened, that Bill Belichick was not going to put a rookie quarterback, no matter how advanced. Mac Jones has shown he was going to be, not just when he played Alabama, but so far in training camp with the New England Patriots. But Bill Belichick always talks about the best ability is availability. And if you have reps taken away from you, you took reps away from yourself, you're not helping yourself to have a little bit more leeway to stay as a starting quarterback when it comes to Cam Newton. When they play Miami opening day, I firmly believe that Cam Newton is going to be the starting quarterback. But if Cam Newton has any kind of falter to his game, or the offense is not running the way Bill Belichick wants it to be run, all of a sudden that leash got a lot shorter when it comes to Cam Newton being out and Mac Jones getting a chance to be the starting quarterback maybe sooner than later. Well, the reports are that yesterday, during the first session of joint practices between the Patriots and the Giants, Mac Jones had a great day, including back-to-back touchdowns and a string of 14 consecutive completions. I mean, just an absolute great great to hear against uh, probably the Giants' starting defense. So what has to happen on Mac Jones' side for him to unearth Cam Newton as the team's starting QB? Really nothing, to be honest with you, because it's all going to be about if Cam Newton is not the kind of quarterback that you need to have to run this offense, this intricate offense, with the Patriots. And I know a lot of people love the new ice cream. That is Matt Jones. I clearly understand that, whether it's the fans with the New England Patriots or the media in the New England area regarding the Patriots. They see Mac Jones, and they want the future to be now. They don't want the future to wait another year or even half a year. 
But Bill Belichick has never been a slave to the moment. He understands what he has in Mac Jones, and he was very fortunate that Mac Jones fell to him with the 15th pick of the draft in the first round. But Bill Belichick is not going to put a play out there if he believes he's not ready. Now, I will say this, more than ever before, if you got a guy like that in Mac Jones, all of a sudden you have really increased the reps when it comes to him being out there for your football team. You take that chance that no matter what you throw at him, he's going to make that work for that football team. But that doesn't mean that you do that at the expense of a guy that has played extremely well in camp. And we had a chance to be out there last week at the start. We saw what he was able to do in this offense, especially having a full training camp and a preseason with New England. I wouldn't just throw the water on Cam Newton and his prospects of being a starting quarterback just yet or being a starting quarterback the whole season for the New England Patriots. Now let's say, hypothetically, that this latest COVID mishap with Cam Newton costs him his starting job in New England. Is that it? Is that the last we see of Cam Newton on an NFL field? It won't be the last you see of him on the NFL field, but I think it'll be the last you see of him as a starting quarterback in the National Football League because I firmly believe, and it just boggles my mind, that after having COVID-19 last year and dealing with that, that you would put yourself in a position where you could potentially get it again if you're Cam Newton and still being unvaccinated. I completely don't understand why you had that thought process in your head. So if that winds up happening, and it seems to me based on the statements, that have been put out there by the New England Patriots when all this came down, that he is definitely a scapegoat in that situation that he should have known better. If that's going to be the case and they're going to hold that against them, against them, then I don't blame the Patriots for doing that from that standpoint. And if you're Cam, you have nobody to blame. But that doesn't mean he's not going to be a starting quarterback. That doesn't mean he's not going to be a quarterback in the National Football League. I just don't believe he'll be a starting quarterback in the National Football League if this does not end well with the New England Patriots. We're talking to Freddie Coleman of ESPN Radio, and you can catch him right here on WDEV AM and FM. This year, I feel like more than any other year, has been an absolute battle of rookie quarterbacks and veterans. It feels like everywhere in the league, the rookies of the first years, the younger guys, have legs up. On all of the on all of the veterans, just yesterday, Trevor Lawrence named the starting quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. But our old friend Jimmy Garoppolo seems like his job is in jeopardy as well. With the number three overall pick, Trey Lance, uh, ready to take his position just about at any time. Do you feel like these younger quarterbacks? This is like we're going to see them sooner rather than later compared to other years. You're going to see that with Justin Fields. I thought it was very interesting that Chicago said that Andy Dalton is a starter for week one. They didn't say for he's our starting quarterback to start the season. They just said for week one. And yet Trey Lance is coming on strong, but Jimmy Garoppolo is still going to be the starting quarterback. But the reason that we're having these conversations is because these quarterbacks are so advanced from what they've been able to learn in high school and then in college. school. They've been part of the seven elite 11 quarterbacks. I think academy to learn their craft under those guys. So that has definitely helped their development, getting ready for the NFL. And we've seen more NFL concepts on both sides of the football where you got to be able to read those defenses and make the appropriate reads. The quarterbacks coming into the NFL more than ever before are so advanced that they don't need as long of a learning curve to get ready mentally and physically. For example, Patrick Mahomes set out the entire first year until the last regular season game for the Kansas City Chiefs. He's a starting quarterback next year, and that team's in the AFC Championship game because he was so advanced coming out of Texas Tech, even though they did not have a winning record. When you see the kind of quarterbacks and the intellect that they're going to possess, you don't have to say, okay, we're going to sit this guy down for a year. You can say when he's ready, if we're not going well, we don't have any qualms of putting him in the lineup, whether it's Justin Fields in Chicago, Trey Lance in San Francisco, and potentially Mac Jones with the New England Patriots. 
It is one heck of a rookie quarterback field, but let's go ahead. Let's try and look at the future. 20 years from now, if these guys are still playing, which which quarterback has the best chance of making it that far? Ooh, I, I don't know if we're going to see a Tom Brady-type quarterback playing 20 <laughs> years from now, but if anybody is going to have maybe the ability, wherewithal to play that on Mac Jones because he didn't or a team like the Patriots, they're used to having a guy do that in Tom Brady. So they know they put those kind of pieces in place. There's a player surrounding him or the have they're going to have that in place. So if I had to bet on that 20 years now, I'm not really a hypothetical person, but if you're going to have me ask who that, who that guy can be, I'll place it on the fact that Mac Jones being a part of the Patriot way has a lot better chance of doing or going to try to do that drafted in the first round this year. Absolutely. Freddie Coleman of ESPN, we're going to get you out of here on this last question right here. The Patriots made a lot of off-season acquisitions with, in, in addition to drafting Mac Jones. Out of, all of the offs, of, out of all of the weapons that they have now on offense, which guy do you feel like is going to be the standout, not a quarterback? John Smith, because I think he's been undervalued time, and I thought getting him a tight end where not only is he an underrated blocker, but he can really threaten the seam of a defense, especially down the middle. Hunter Henry got a lot of love, and he should, but Hunter Henry is injured. We don't know when he's going to come back or what he's going to look like whenever he gets back on the football field for the New England Patriots. But that John Smith guy, every time I saw him play, I said, man, that's a guy that they got him the ball just a little bit more, that he can make some plays. And he's going to have that ability to do that because the Patriots have been able to have guys on the outside and Nelson Aguilar over here and Bourne on the other side that can really take that pressure off the outside. And now you get a tight end that can threaten the linebackers and threaten the scene. He could be a, a really good best friend for Cam Newton starting the season, a quarterback for the Patriots. So that's a yeah. uh, that could pay the biggest dividend for that Patriots offense. Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio. Awesome as always. Thanks for coming on the show, man. Really appreciate it. My pleasure, Jack. Have a good night. Take care, my man. Absolutely, Freddie. Thanks for coming on the show. So great to have Freddie on, man. One of the best in the business. He truly is. When Brady told me that I was going to be the one talking to Freddie, I was so thrilled. I've been listening to Freddie and Fitzsimmons for years, and you can catch him on WDEVradio.com on a nightly basis. Okay. While the staff works on cutting up that interview, we're going to go ahead and start can well not start we're going to continue talking about this Patriots quarterback debate because at the beginning of the offseason I said there was no debate I said it was Cam Newton Brady also said it was Cam Newton right now I'm saying it's Mac Jones I said it was Mac Jones yesterday today was the last day of practice for the Patriots before their last preseason game and then before week one which will be in two weeks and I want every Patriots fan to listen up right now Mac Jones is the starter. Bill Belichick has said all along, it's going to take somebody to play better than Cam Newton for him to be unseated as the team's starting quarterback. And now the final numbers through 19 camp practices. These are them. Cam Newton, 135 out of 210. That's good for 64%. Not bad. Eight picks. Not great. He had about nine drops, so if you adjust it, it's about 68.6%. Interception rate of 3.8%. So, you know, almost what you would expect from Cam Newton. Then you hear Mac Jones' numbers. 243 out of 351. 
69.2% six picks. More attempts, more completions, less interceptions. Apparently, Mac Jones had 17 drops. So if you adjust his accuracy rate, 74.1. Interception rate, 1.7. He is the starter. It is clear cut as day. It is night. It is day. It doesn't get more obvious than this. Mac Jones is the starting quarterback. He was the most accurate QB in the history of college football. And he's shown up time after time in professional practice that he is still that guy. So for everybody out there that thinks the Patriots are going to regret not drafting Justin Fields, that they're going to regret not trading up for Trey Lance, regret not seeing if they could pursue the number one overall pick, Mac Jones is making you shut up. He's making you eat your words. I was disappointed in the Mac Jones pick the very first night. Then I slept on it and I realized the Patriots lost no assets to pick the best available quarterback at number 15. And so far, the best available quarterback has been the best rookie quarterback in the NFL, period. That's what I got to say on the situation. It's Mac Jones' team moving forward. All right. We've got the Freddy Cuts ready to rock and roll here. So, the first thing I want to get into is obviously this Cam Newton situation, okay? It's interesting that Cam would risk going on the COVID bereavement list again after having COVID-19 last season that hampered his progression in learning the Patriots' offense. Freddie was just as puzzled as I was as to why Cam would risk such a thing. It won't be the last you see of him on the NFL field, but it, I think it'll be the last you see of him as a starting quarterback in the National Football League because I firmly believe, and it just boggles my mind, that after having COVID-19 last year and dealing with that, that you would put yourself in a position where you could potentially get it again if you're Cam Newton and still being unvaccinated. I completely don't understand why you had that thought process in your head. What, yeah, correct. Why would that thought process be in your head? So the question leading into that that I asked Freddie was, do you think that if this is the thing that cost Cam Newton his starting job, will that be the last that we see Cam Newton on an NFL field? He came right out and he said no, but it will be the last that we see Cam as a starter. So it's interesting to think, it's interesting to see that Freddie would suggest that this may not, while it may not put a direct end to Cam's NFL career, it could very well be the end to him being a starter in the National Football League. What a downfall that would be. Cam Newton, once one of the greatest quarterbacks what looked like of a generation, pro bowler, first-team all-pro, MVP, hopes of winning a Super Bowl with him being at its center, and then injuries, on-field, off-field controversies lead him to being a backup in the NFL. Absolutely crazy. So the other thing I asked Freddie was, you know, just based on the performances, let's put COVID aside momentarily, just based on performance, was Mac Jones' camp enough to unseat Cam as the starter? He said no, but that clock is ticking. That clock is a lot louder and ticking by a lot faster when it comes to Cam Newton because I firmly believe that he was playing extremely well. We saw that in last week's preseason game against the Philadelphia Philadelphia Eagles, excuse me, he was just throwing the daylights out of the football. 
So I firmly believe that no matter what happened, that Bill Belichick was not going to put a rookie quarterback no matter how it fan. Yeah. I mean, while it makes sense that Cam would still be the starter day one, Mac Jones is he's chomping. And I think he has chomped enough. So, Freddie... You know, great analysis as always, but I just think that we've seen so much positives from Mac Jones and not enough wins from Cam Newton. In fact, you know who else said that today following Patriots practice? It was NBC Sports Boston's Tom Curran saying Mac Jones was far and away the best quarterback at Patriots camp. Now that Cam is putting up zeros and Mac is having unbelievable practices, two and a half hours in length and 90 degree heat with ridiculous humidity. I'm asking, what else does the player need to do when he wins every head-to-head matchup every single time with no significant wins for Cam Newton? I mean, there's days they're comparable, but there are no days, except for one, more than two weeks ago, that Cam Newton had a better day. Guys, it's, it's the, the proof is in the pudding. The numbers don't lie. The only way I see Cam Newton being the starter on a regular basis is if the Patriots really do deploy run-first mentality. But because of the offseason acquisitions, because they went out and they got a Nelson Aguilar, a Kendrick Bourne, two solid pass-catching tight ends who can also block, it just makes sense that the Patriots would want to try and pass. And the fact that Cam Newton, or excuse me, the fact that Mac Jones had over 140 more pass attempts than Cam Newton in all of camp shows that Mac has the potential and the ability to be that pass-first quarterback the Patriots have been missing since 2018. That was the year of the Eagles Super Bowl, and Tom Brady won MVP. Ever since then, it's been run first. You hate to make that, you hate to say it, but the Patriots were run first in the last two years of Tom Brady on the team. Mac Jones has a chance to give the Patriots back what they've been missing. That is exactly what I want to see. You're listening to the Brady Farkas Show on a podcast. Brady Farkas Show channels, iTunes, Spotify, all that good stuff. You know what else is good stuff? The folks over at American Legion. While I was in the middle of recording this, so I have had to make a cut, they came over and they delivered us our dinner. And I'm opening it up right now and, oh, baby back, baby back, baby back. I want my baby back ribs potatoes, and some green beans and some soup. They actually brought one for Brady, too. That's a bummer. <laughs> uh, have fun in Australia, Brady. Or actually, you're probably on a boat to Antarctica by now. You're living up your vacation. I'm living it up in here in the WDEV studio, smelling up these nice barbecue ribs. So anyway, we're going to go ahead. We're going to end the show right here. Make sure you guys go follow me on Twitter, at JackMain32. Go ahead and follow the podcast channels on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that good jazz. You can be sure to catch me tomorrow at 5.30 on the WDEV Airwaves. Hopefully we are not interrupted. We need to have a last show where I am the host. Brady will be back on Monday. So long, everybody. Have a great day.